This is the Daily Coaching Podcast, bringing you thoughts, discussions and expert insight into all things football and coaching. We need to take the fitness of, of our brain the same way we take care of our body. Bill Gates was always telling me, success is a very lousy teacher. In today's episode, I get to know ex-chairman of Microsoft Europe and current mental fitness coach, Jan Milfeit. Now, Jan is best known for his time as chairman of Microsoft Europe, working alongside figures such as Bill Gates. However, Jan continues to be a role model and a leader in supporting businesses and sports professionals through developing their mental fitness. We talk on the journey to becoming a chairman, the similarities between sport and business, how to define mental fitness and enhancing peak performance. This episode is informative and inspirational from one of the most knowledgeable and humble individuals to come onto the podcast. So therefore, let's get into it. kind of take it back to your youth and you know really start to understand how and when did sport first enter your life uh this is an interesting question because i love sports since probably like three years old and all sports because you know I, i'm formerly from czechoslovakia now those are two countries czech republic and slovakia so it's obviously ice hockey you know, football, handball, basketball, but I was uh, like professionally, I was playing tennis for 10 years. I was playing in the era of Ivan Lendl. Ivan was, you know, much better. He was two years older than me, but I was doing with gymnastic probably. I was doing pretty much all sports, including like uh, a long, uh, you know, distance running, right? I'm running like 10, you know, 15K, every day now i combine it with like nordic walking i'm close to be 60 but i i do a lot and even those 22 years when i was in microsoft i was still doing a lot of sport like every day before my day one one and a half hour and maybe in the afternoon before the dinner or whatever uh swimming or some biking stuff like that so pretty much you know all sports but i obviously i love you know soccer i love football very much Nice quality. And an interesting question. Why? Why did you do all these sports? Obviously, because sometimes people do it for the um, physical. Uh, you know why? That, I ask this question a lot and I'm very curious person. Curiosity is helping you with creativity, you know, right? And if you because if you are curious and if you are like kids are all curious. Kids are because kids are asking a lot of questions and then suddenly school is coming and in the school you are learning how to answer the questions, not how to ask right questions. So the school, according to the study from NASA, is killing creativity because 98% of the kids when they are six years old, they are showing high creativity. If we are 25 years old, it's only 2%. Okay. And, and basically, you, you're asking a lot of questions. If, if you are like curious, you are asking a lot of questions. And then you are looking at the world from kind of the helicopter. There are more, you know, options in your life. And curiosity is helping you even with the mental toughness. Because if you are fearful or if you are stressed, you know, stress is pretty much fight, flee or freeze. Okay, it's like kind of the negative zoom in. 
why curiosity is positive zoom out. So imagine even if you are soccer player, like one of the top, you know, soccer soccer players I, I coach on the mental side is Patrick Schick from the Bayern Leverkusen. That's the guy who scored from the from the midfield, you know, against Scotland when Czech Republic play. And the guy is really like curious. I love, there's a lot of curiosity in Patrick. And this is the way how he can improve his game because he can think, hey, this is what I can do with the ball, you know, and, and, and that curiosity is like becoming creativity. And then you can apply it in the game of football. Yeah, like it's, it's an interesting point because something which I always think gets uh, neglected so often is reflection. And that kind of is curiosity in one sense. You know, you're reflecting exactly. on why. But a lot of the time, and, you know, for example, if, uh, again, a child, you use the example of, you know, they go along to a football session. And let's be honest, typically it's probably because their parents are taking them along and, there, but they don't yeah, know why. Exactly. And and Dave, there is a great book called Ranch is the name of the book. And the guy, unfortunately, I don't remember the, his David, but I don't remember his surname. But anyway, so the book is basically asking the question, is it better to be specialized very early in your childhood for some activity that doesn't need to be sport? Or is it better to be broader? And it's clear it's better to be broader. If you look at the top athletes, like Federer, Federer was playing basketball, football, you know, right? And stuff like that. Because, you know, the movements are different. You are, you know, in the different situations. And then what is happening with your brain? Basically, all, you know, uh, activities you, you are doing are getting mental representation in your brain. Those are like synapses connecting, you know, different neurons, okay? More you do it, in the different, you know, fields, you are better equipped, you know, right? Now, uh, you know, neuroscientists, they found out it's about repetition. Repetition is much more important, you know, short-term repetition than like long-term. So it's if you are learning language, it, it's better to learn like every day, like 30 minutes as opposed, you know, Sunday, eight hours, okay? What I have heard what Jose Mourinho did now, you know, right? He put, he, he's obviously with AS Rome, he put the, the, the huge, you know, panel, a huge display on the, on, the, on the stadium and immediately they play, play, play during the training and immediately he's pointing out, hey, this was good, this was not good, giving them immediate feedback because that's another learning what we've got from the people like Andrew Huberman, who is one of the best neuroscientists in the world, that we are learning mostly from our mistakes, okay? And we are very much in the school, in the job, in the sport, demonizing the mistakes. If you will do that mistake, you will not play anymore. You will, you know, be at the bench, you know, next, right? And, and we are learning mostly from our mistakes. Bill Gates was always telling me success is a very lousy teacher. So you learn a lot from your errors and the mistakes. Because what is happening in your brain, if you make some mistake, then the peak of adrenaline is created in your brain. It's called neuroadrenaline, the, the adrenaline which is created in your brain. And then it's telling basically your brain, hey, this is really important. You need to remember it for the future. This is really, you know, important how to do it. So what I do with my athletes, there are like three things. All every day, every day, every day they need to do. Remind what was going well. Remind what was going well. Repair what was not going very well, Okay. It's called in psychology, uh, reimagination or reframing, you know, right? You reframe what was not going well. So you, you basically re replay it and then imagine how you will do it in the future. Remind, repair and imagine. And then what is happening in your brain? Dopamine, which is reward hormone, is created and you feel good. If you, if you like finishing the day like that, you feel like, hey, 
I did something well, I learned something, and this is the way how I will continue. That's number one. And number two, you have an energy to continue in that activity again and again and again. And that's how you how you uh, learn the mastery. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. Do you know what? So many great points there. And it's interesting that you know, some of the points picked up on. So the, the crossover of sports, like, you know, there's again, like you said, there's so many players. I mean, I think they said a flashing Schweinsteiger could have been a, a skier at some point because of the, the, the skills that he had. Um, you know, it's more about the um, element of, you know, uh, the, the first stages. And, and I always, when I to coach young children, it's never about like the first session, you play, for example, in football, it would never be dribbling. It's fundamental ABCs because ultimately that's that crossover. If you learn about agility and okay. coordination, those movements, which are, you know, it's again, it's the whole element of, you know, you can't run before you can walk. You need to learn these fundamental coordination movements which then can hopefully be transferred into any given sport. Um, and again, the thing about the, the repetition and reflection, things like that, again, big believer of that. I think that, you know, I always talk about repetition and awareness and reaction because the awareness and reaction element is where you're going to get the players making, um, or, or players or business people even, making decisions and solving problems. And if we yeah. solve problems and make decisions, like you said, sometimes we're going to get it right, sometimes we're going to get it wrong. And the big word which parents hate they 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 I don't say parents I mean everyone in life hates this word but I, I thrive off of it failure everyone's so scared of the word failure because they feel as though like you said you know haven't made it onto the bench and now I'm on the bench for the next game and I've missed out but actually failure is an opportunity to put those decisions right and solve those problems and then go into like you said the reframing of well how will I do it differently next time and what will success look for me like next time yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then there is a, there is a, uh, you know, Professor Erickson who spends like 50 years studying, you know, top performance. In, in his book, you know, Peak, he's talking about performance, purposeful performance and deliberative performance. Uh, basically the, uh, sorry, but not performance, the practice. Practice, if you will do like practice, whatever, you know, without any like, uh, coaching or whatever, you may, you know, improve at the beginning, but then you will be, you know, at the, at the silo, okay? If you do, if you do like purposeful practice, which means like you may, you know, study, you may watch, you know, YouTube, and you may go according to some plan, right? But again, there is some silo, but deliberative practice means that you have a coach and after each and every activity, you're getting the feedback. What I should continue? What should I stop? And what should I start? And this is deliberative practice is when you are really getting, you know, better and better. This is it, right? Uh, 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 this is it. That's why even like top guys, uh, like I spent some time with uh, Rafael Nadal two years ago at US Open. I was coaching some Czech tennis player, right? And Rafa, during his training, he, he is probably hitting the balls with 30% more power as opposed when he's playing. He's making his training really, really very tough to be in the zone, you know, because if you train in the zone, zone flow in general, we, we call it, those are moments when that activity is very difficult for you. So it's very challenging on one side, but you're using your best skills, your best talent. So this is the, this is the flow where we basically... Uh, 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 perform at, at the best, right? And if you are able, and this is the deliberative practice, if you are able during the deliberative practice to be in the zone, in the flow, you're learning very fast. According to the study from McKenzie, 
they figure out if people are in general in flow, sport, uh, the athletes are uh, in, in the zone, they are 500% more productive, they are learning 450% faster, and they are 400% more creative. You know, this is why, this is why I'm saying champion equals talent. Talent plays some role, multiply by effort, that repetition, the training, and multiply by the time you are able to be in the flow, because more you are in the flow, your, you know, championship, if you will, is getting, you know, better and better. Uh, th this is it, right? This is it. Because the, the thing with our brain is, as I said, you know, all activities are like, you know, mentally represented in the brain. Uh, if we, you know, manage, if like, if you go to the fitness and you manage, you know, let's say 100 kilos in the bench, your brain is going to the comfort zone, more or less, okay? And it's used to, hey, it's, uh, I, I'm, you know, fine. It, it costs you some energy, but this is it. So you need to move another, another level, right? It's called uh, homeostasis. Like you are getting, you know, your brain to use for that, you know, level. So you need to move again and again. So it's important to move out of the comfort zone. I, what I'm saying that if people are more curious, it's easier for them to move out of the comfort zone, be more creative during the sport. And also they cope much better with, uh, with the fact if they are, you know, losing or with mistakes. Because some athletes, they are so, it was clear at the Olympic Games. So I think Olympic Games, it's great thing, don't take me wrong, but it's demonized. Oh, it's only in four years, you know. What if I will not be able to do it, okay? You, and you go, you, you play or you compete, okay? So nice peak of adrenaline is released. It's called you adrenaline. And you feel like, hey, I'm looking forward. I want to compete. I want to be there and so on. And then suddenly in your brain will go like, oh, what I, if I fail? It's only in, in, only in four you know, years. And your adrenaline is getting bigger and bigger. And then your performance goes down. If you concentrate too much on the result, it's uh, the, the beginning of the end, you know, right? You need to concentrate. You, you, you cannot, even as a, as a football player, you cannot influence how your, you know, opponent is playing, even how your other players from your team are playing. You can influence only your performance. And this is what very, we should spend majority of the time to go really step by step, one present moment after the other, you know, right? Because the issue is if, we, if we are motivated and if we are fearful, we are no more in the present moment. We are no more concentrated. And that means, for example, there is a, there is a you know, ball flying, you know, right? And, you know, the, the brain works in the following way. Hey, there is some, you know, action. So your senses are basically bringing you, hey, this is the ball, this is the speed, whatever. You know? And then we are not reacting immediately. We are reacting and that our reaction is based on what is in our long-term memory. Sometimes we call it subconsciousness. Okay. If you are 100% concentrated, if you are here and now, chances are that you will react in the proper way. You will score probably, you know, like by head or uh, by feet. That doesn't matter. If you are not in the present moment, you may take some, you know, photography of your past from, the, from that bank, from the long-term memory, but it's not necessarily the right photography for that particular situation, that's when, you know, it, it goes, you know, somewhere, you know, right, and, and you, you will not be able to score, and this is it, 
And once, you know, once you are not able to score, it goes again, you know, like, hey, I'm not in a great shape today. It's not good. But if I will not play, you know, next match and stuff like that. And amygdala, which is like small, you know, monkey in your brain, is creating those stories. And if you will start to believe in that story, you know, I, I think champions are champions because they don't believe their thoughts. Okay. Because the thought is the thought. Thought is generated by your subconsciousness. Okay. I, champions are, you know, uh, champions in doubting. They are good in doubting their doubts. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So they are able to kill their doubts. And this is it. This is what it takes. It, and to return back to the present moment and, you know, uh, and continue, right? No, 100%. And, and it's interesting because, like you said, so many of these players or, or even in, in journeys in life when we, we you know we're looking at sort of careers, we always think about the long term straight away. And it's like, you know, for as a player, getting to a final, as, as, as a business owner, you know, getting to a stage where, you know, we're owning multiple um, elements of our company. We've got X amount of, of employees or clients. And like you said, I think it's that that whole element of that, you know, looking back using the past, but also, like I said, doubting the doubts to be able to help us along that journey. Exactly. Um, and, and it's interesting because obviously, again, like you said, you know, you, you've used a lot of sort of like the sport analogies. And obviously, like you said, you were quite curious that when you was younger, uh, obviously going into many different sports. How did you kind of get to a stage? Because obviously as a young child, we always enjoy sports and we always think, you know, we're going to make it into some sort of sporting realm or element. How did the Microsoft pathway and journey come about because i know that before we spoke on here you mentioned about like in your early 20s you know you was you was working sort of you know in, in sort of the, the sort of um yeah restaurant areas how did that come yeah. about the, 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 this is uh, this is funny because I, once i finished university i i work in the uh, uh in the public sector for in in the police for the uh, science and technology you know department two years before you know changes and two years after the, the changes, you know, right. And, uh, but I was bored by like, it was a nice, you know, job and everything was fine, but I was bored. So uh, some of my, you know, friends, they persuaded me and I, because I was a computer expert, uh, I joined a startup, Czech startup called Software 602. Okay. And because I was the only one really speaking very well English, I was, you know, doing a lot in terms of like negotiating with the partners abroad and so on. And I spoke at a different, you know, conferences and Microsoft offered me in 93, in, in the January 93, job in Prague in their subsidiary. And I refused it. I refused the first offer. Okay. And Microsoft very rarely would offer you uh, uh, another job, but they did, you know, like uh, six months afterwards. And I and I joined. So it was a I was prepared because I I mean because of the English and I was very much while my education was mainly computers, after all of those changes, there were a lot of like new books about marketing, business, and stuff like that. So I was like eating those books, right? 91, 92, and then in 93 I joined. And then what happened, you know. In 95, they, they said, hey, you are quite smart person, but you are not, you know, business person yet. And they put me on the, I got it, well, I got, the, it was called award, uh, presidential award from for excellence in 94, after one year, you know, right? Because I was a marketeer, but they put me in some special program. It was called Bench, couple of people around the world, talented people. And we would get, David, like one 
week, a month, some special guy like, you know, Philip Kotler for marketing, which at that time was absolutely number one, you know, in the world, right? Mike Amy for the strategy, you know, right? Uh, Eduardo Bono on creativity. So I've got really like 10, 12 different, like top, 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 you know, leaders. And I, I, obviously you learn a lot, right? So, uh, and uh, it I think I was quite talented, but obviously Microsoft helped me a lot. And then it was like, okay, did I... I, I'm, I've got always like two, three years the job and they, then I was promoted, I was promoted, you know, right. And when I was a chairman for Europe for eight years, I was the longest serving, you know, chairman. Uh, obviously, my goals were like business goals, but I've got also like when Microsoft was having this problem with the European Commission on antitrust, you know, I was supposed to help to settle the case. So I, I would say like, Jean-Philippe Courtois, who is now Microsoft president, when I was leaving, he put like three things in uh, in uh, my press release. Number one, that I was four years in the row best performing worldwide, which, which is which for me was like winning Olympic Games. And I've got a lot of like that kind of the notion of never give up. You know what I mean? From the sport, really. And I and people who knew me, uh, they were like, yeah, it's clear he's a sport guy. All right. So four times in the row, best performing, you know, region. Then he said in that press release that I normalized the relationship between Microsoft and EU, which was the case. And then I help, you know, improve education worldwide because education is like deeply in my heart. It's still, you know, I was working, I was chairing, you know, the, the roundtable for the World Economic Forum on Education and I was advisor for the European Commission. So that's, uh, that's in the nutshell. So it was a very successful. On the other hand, I must say, I must confess, that I was, I love my job and I was working so hard and I didn't have enough. While in sport, you have like, hey, you basically do sport and then you have a recovery. You do sport or, or you train and you have a recovery. I didn't have huge recovery and I love what I was doing. But unfortunately, you know, after many, many years, the, the bubble bursted and I was for six months deeply depressed. And for three months, I was in the mental hospital even, you know, right? And I almost died. So it was very, very tough. So I know how your brain works if you are winning Olympic Games. But I know what what you feel like when you are like, hey, I'm like checking out from, from my life, right? And this, this gave me, as Nietzsche is saying, whatever is not killing you is strengthening you. It strengthens me, you know, right? Because I, I, I have a lot of knowledge how brain works from my own experience. And I study by the best, like, you know, Tim Grower, who was for 15 years, he was a coach for Michael Jordan. I had a training with him and with FC Barcelona for six months, some online training and stuff like that with the, with the former U.S. Navy guys and stuff like that. So I learned really from the best people to create, you know, some structure around my experience. Obviously, a lot of things from Microsoft. But I must say, David, when I started to work with athletes, my first athlete was David Svoboda, who won Olympic Games in London, okay, in modern pentathlon. A lot of people were saying Jan was a great manager, but he has no clue what to do with athletes. And I think after like uh, what Patrick Schick did and what happened at the Olympic Games, you know, I think there are no more like doubts like that because and it, and it, it, this is nothing like. Uh, you know, it's nothing bad against, you know, those people. But I think your brain works. It doesn't matter where you are in Microsoft, in some, you know, job in sport. The brain works as a brain, you know, right? 
And if you have some bad time in Microsoft, it's a very similar having a bad time in football, for example, or in, in tennis, right? Or on the other hand, if you are super motivated in sport, the chances are that you can take it also to the business. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's, it's interesting. Again, you mentioned a bit about the, you know, the eating, the learning and, and eating all that information. And I saw the question kind of is, you know, it, it's every, everyone can kind of take on information in different ways. But how and, and when and why did you decide to utilize that learning and then put it into that kind of pathway which you, you, you're doing now? And also, I suppose, what you've, you've done within Microsoft as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I've got it because I, I just needed to reply. I, I have a, I'm alone in our house with my mother-in-law. She is 91. And I'm taking care of her, so she sent me some and but everything is fine. So sorry if I lost the eye connection. I'm like, yeah, In, interesting question, David. I was in Microsoft almost 22 years. It was in 2014 in the summer, and I started to think, hey, I'm doing this job, uh, Microsoft chairman job for, you know, eight years. It's long, you know, so maybe I do something, maybe I go to the U.S., but I said, no, no, I'm European. I wanted to stay here. I like U.S., you know, for some time, for a couple of months, but, you know, I wanted to live in, in Europe. And the other option was to work maybe for some smaller but friendly company to Microsoft, because Microsoft was great when I was really, you know, uh, at the bottom, you know, right, in, in my career, Microsoft was very nice to me. And then the third option was really just to leave. And, you know, in my career, people are like, I was recently doing some interview and the lady, she asked, how comes you, you, you came so high? You went so high. And I said, because I never planned to go there. I just like the journey. Okay. And the same, you know, I'm, I was, you know, having a couple of those guys who got, you know, medals at the Olympic Games and they were very nervous. I said, no, you, you just go and you will see, you know, where maybe next time in Paris, you know, whatever, you know, right. So you, I really concentrate. I really like the journey. I really like the, and I was very much inspired by that. Right. So I, I basically finished, I was sitting in a couple of boards, you know, right. That was part of my job. Then I started to coach uh, some business people. I started to teach my seminars. Now I have like seven different seminars, which I teach with uh, some, the, the guy, for example, for the like team seminar, how to create winning teams with long term. He was a captain in the Czech basketball team, you know, Pavel and, and uh, David. I mentioned the Olympic Games winner. I teach, uh, you know, unbeatable mind seminar and stuff like that. Even with the, with so, so seminars. Then uh, I created book, The Positive you know, Leader. We wrote it with my friend, with uh, Melina Costi from UK. Now there are another two books, which will be now uh, published in, uh, in English, Unlocking Children's Potential and Family as a Team. So there are like three books. And, and then uh, it was funny because uh, I was also coaching the beauty queens. Yeah, right. which was which was quite interesting i thought that you know to work with bill gates would be the best job in the world but obviously there are also other good you know jobs right and no kidding and i think it was a 2004 2015 i was in the jerry for the beauty queen competition for czech republic and david svoboda was also that's the guy that's the pentathlon guy he was there and we started to talk he said that would be interesting 
if you can, you know, help me to get ready for the Rio Olympic Games. So we started to work on that. Then I was invited for the Czech Olympic Games Committee, uh, you know, meeting. And suddenly they said, this is really good. What do you do? Let's make it, you know, much broader. So what I do, I do basically seminars for the coaches and for the for the athletes. And I work with almost 30 athletes on one-on-one, you know, basis. Some of there's a lot of athletes, they they travel, and a lot of athletes like they are Czech origin, but they are playing, you know, abroad, you know, in the different right. So uh this is it. So I, I really enjoy it. And I do, I do sport addition to addition to the to the to the business seminars and coaching. I do sport and athletes, but I also train like seven thousand small kids, you know. It's called unlocking children potential. It's absolutely top-notch thing. So there was like eight thousand parents and seven thousand kids. You know, it's a special training on self-awareness, how they can figure out what are they, you know, talents, you know, and then to work on them. And I have a yeah, my counterpart Katarina, she's like twenty-eight years younger than me. You know, so she got a small uh, children. So she we we work together, and it, it's really it, it's really really good. You know, so I enjoy it very much. So it's a very very broad, uh, you know, what I do. Yeah, that is fantastic. So I, I actually, I didn't know that element about the children as well. And, and I've always said, in my eyes anyway, I think the best coaches are the people that can adapt to the different individual needs. Absolutely. And, and I can tell you, when I started, like six years ago, I talked to them like a professor. They didn't have a clue what Jan was saying. And then it was going like step by step today. I'm really able to talk. We, we are starting with six to seven years old, but I also do work with some kindergartens to work with such small kids and like really like lower kind of my vocabulary and everything. And they are able to uh, really understand. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's so interesting. Basically, you do have to adapt to it, especially as well like in that coaching realm where like, you know, 1 till 2 p.m. you're working with somebody who has, like you said, someone like Patrick Sheep who's got, you know, all these credentials already. And then you're going to work with 2 till 3, a seven-year-old who doesn't want to be there and the parents make him be there and you've got to try and somehow adapt and and, and motivate and, and get that, that person engaged in what you're, you're saying and what you're doing. So, yeah, and no, I love that. I love that. You would, be, you would be surprised because people think, hey, this self-awareness stuff, it's so tough for the kids. But kids are really smart. And if you are able to really like localize, I would say localize the, the message for the kids, you know, they are able to figure out what are their talents, what they like, even if they are six, seven years, you know, old, absolutely, you know. And then and then it we can create very different system because they can learn in the school, you know, through their own talents, not like, hey, because the school is putting everybody like, hey, this is it. This is the way how we will learn. It's like memorizing. And if you are learning, for example, history through uh, the the, uh, the story, right, then, you know, it's not only chemical changes in your brain, but it's structural changes and you remember it for a very long time, you know, right? If you, if you only learn the dates of the battles, you may remember for a couple of days, but then it's gone, you know, right? But if you will learn like, hey, that was, this is the story. That was the guy who was a leader there. This is what happened there, right? This is it. Because story is the way how we are handing over, you know, information and data for many, many years, even before, you know, computers and any technology. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think the thing is, as well, where it's credit to yourself is, if anything you mentioned again about yourself, you know, book and things like that, the unlocking of potential. But it's not to knock teachers because teachers do a fantastic job. No, because they're they're doing sort of you know, like you said, a structural um, sort of curriculum, which is obviously set out by governments and and obviously guidelines and things like that. You know, they have to teach in a certain way. Whereas people like coaches, like myself and you. We're able to understand, you know, I said, what are the individual needs? How do you unlock that certain potential? And potentially also you get to spend more time with them because like you said, you do one-to-one, whereas in a classroom, you're doing one to 30. And, you know, that that interaction time and that building of relationship time is so minimized. Yeah. And then, and then David, what I'm able to do also, because the chances are that if there are like 30 kids, okay, for math class, okay, the chances are there are like five kids really excelling in the math. And you can use those kids coaching the other kids. I remember when I was like 54 years ago, when I was six, I was a first class and I was very fast with the math. And then I was a naughty. Okay, so my teacher, she was giving me, you know, much more work. And she said, in case you will still finish earlier than the other kids, you will go around and you will help them. And I was like, you know, calculating all this stuff so I can help the other kids. And it was amazing, you know, right? Yeah. And you can you can do that. You can do that. Absolutely. Yeah, and it brings that social element to it as well. Like we were talking about before, the psychological and social side of things. Oh, um, yeah. An interesting point, because again, like, um, again, talking of sort of like, you know, teachers, they go through obviously qualifications and university degrees. And, you know, sometimes with coaching, like a lot of the time, you know, coaches will go to sort of, you know, like you said, seminars and talks and almost a bit of independent learning as well along the way. Obviously, you can go to do psychological degrees, which may help along that journey. Uh, look, what I, yeah, what I, what I did, I, I always have like Czech technical university, but then what I, what I did, I have, uh, you know, uh, some courses in places like London School of Economics, uh, Harvard and Wharton, kind of the mini MBA. Uh, now I, I have like all, you know, certifications and, and stuff like that. There is a great organization in UK, actually, uh, my dear friend, you know, uh, and Skoll created it, even though she now, you know, she's like uh, on the on the on the background because she's more on academia. It's called Mayla Campbell, and they have a very close relationship with the Harvard Coaching Institute. So I'm the fellow at the Harvard Coaching Institute. So I I do I I work with some of the best coaches from around the world. Like every Friday, we have a session, like 24, 30 coaches for different continents, talking about you know different cases what we can do and so on and there is a lot of you know good stuff on uh, on on internet if i would if somebody's really interesting in coaching uh and schooler wrote a book it's called business coaching but even if you are a sport coach you can you know use it it's probably i call it my name is on the because i i wrote some you know recognition for n so i call it you know uh, coaching bible because there is everything there is a like coaching methods how to set up your coaching business you know what kind of the pricing you should have and really it's it's really it's kind of the tiny book it was you know uh, similar to my book the 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 positive leader it was you know published in the ft publishing series you know right so uh, really good book so business coaching and school you know no, that's that's quality. Um, and, and, and what would you kind of define as a mental fitness coach? Because I think sometimes okay. 
will say they're coaches or mental fitness, but what is it actually? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, let me first uh, distinguish between mentor and coach, and then I will talk about mental fitness coach. Okay. So a uh, mentor is somebody who, based on his or her experience, is giving you a lot of, you know, experience, a lot of information, right? But you are listening, so it's not taking that much energy from you. Coach, on the other hand, is asking a lot of questions. There are not that much, you know, information, a lot of open questions. So you need to think a lot and there's a lot of energy required from you. That's the difference. People like me, because I have a very broad experience. I think I'm mentor and coach. It's good not to mix it, you know, right? But anyway, if I coach somebody, we go like coaching, coaching, coaching. We have like three, four different solutions. And that person would usually ask, how about if you would be on my place? And that's mentoring advice, okay? So that's that's distinguished. Now, uh, mental fitness, uh, what, what I mean by the mental mental fitness and mental coaching, uh, right? I think, and that, that was even my experience, I was able to have very good physical rest during my career in Microsoft, right? But unfortunately, not enough mentors, and it almost got me. Okay, and I think people are underestimating the fact in the in the past, our predecessors were like hunting, having a rest, hunting, having a rest. That's what is, but that's what, you know, uh, athletes are doing, right? Playing or training, rest, playing, like in the business, we like hunting, 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 hunting. And then there is, you know, depression or at least uh, burnout, right? So it, we need to take the fitness of, of our brain the same way we take care of our body why my case even though you like what you do you can still be depressed from that because if you are very often in the zone in the flow hormones like endorphin dopamine if you are with the team serotonin oxytocin are released and other chemicals during the rest are supposed to clean your brain basically if your brain is not clean, it's going step by step, your performance, mental performance goes down. But then basically all of those, you know, hormones, like the good hormones creating the fact that you are happy, like serotonin are gone. And then, then when we are, you know, depressed because we don't like what we do, we don't see the, uh, the, the sense of our life and stuff like that. So th this is this is why. The way we, you know, train our body, I think we need to train our mind. And then obviously the tools, okay? So it's breathing, it's your body, it's your mind. So it's like mindfulness, it's yoga, tai chi, all of that visualization stuff like that. But also be able to kind of be, because today, I mean, 10 years ago, I would still tell you, oh, my, you know, mindfulness or, you know, uh, meditation it's so difficult for me because my brain is going like that you know right and my brain was almost destroyed after uh, the depression but i can tell you if i could learn how to meditate and i learned really like following my breath and today i'm like able in one minute to basically um, switch off my brain more or less they just measure me you know right and uh, and this is it this is what you can learn. it's again a repetition but it's important and that's why uh, I'm sometimes sorry because some coaches, some, you know, coaches of the teams or the tennis coaches are saying, hey, if my player needs to have, you know, your support, that's fine. But we should not do it for everybody. 
which makes you know no sense for me, right? We we getting there step by step. I think it, it goes like US in US, all like NHL, NBA, they have like sport. I'm not sports psychologist, but I have at least mental, uh, you know, a coach, a staff like that, you know, right? And it's go it's going like US now. It's you know getting from you know Western Europe more and more, and I think it will hit you know countries in in Central Europe uh, very soon. But uh, uh, this is it. I think it's, and it's not, majority of my athletes, I'm not kidding, are coming to me, hey, I have this issue, I have this issue, I have this issue, okay. Before that, they don't even know that there is somebody who can help them. And I think if you play well, if you are like Patrick Schick, okay, you are almost like you are on the way to be Ronaldo. And mental coach can help you to basically, you know, uh, because that's your expectation. This is where you are. You at the at the European Championship, you are very, you know, close. You are closing the gap. So you know what I mean, right? It, it, this is it. So you are able, you know, to help people who are performing well to be, you know, champions, right? And uh, funny enough, uh, a lot of like in in the tennis because tennis it's really a brain game. It's like chess or fencing and and so on so they they realize already that this is it so that's kind of what is you know uh what is uh, mental fitness and mental fitness coaching now okay why i'm so uh religious about mental fitness coaching because i think it's getting like better and better in sports step by step we are getting there but in the business we are almost nowhere Business is behind. I mean, business, we have a coaching. Well, we don't have, I mean, look, if I if, if I speak to some top, you know, manager, some uh, CEO of the bank, okay, and I'll be very open with him, hey, I, I screwed it up, I was in the mental hospital for three months, whatever, then they are opening, and I can tell you like, that every second business person got some issues, okay? I would say like 30-40% are on antidepressants. Yeah, really, right? And but we are not talking openly about those things. And I because today, if if you are like top manager, you are like top athlete, but you don't have that team around you, like massaging, you know, physio, you know what I mean, right? Mental coach, and so that that's why I'm always whenever I'm coaching, I'm like, okay, I'll 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 coach you on the business side, absolutely, how to improve your business results. But the best way how to improve your business side is to make sure that you are fit physically, but you are fit also mentally because you are a leader. You need to lead them. If you are in the mental hospital, you know, like me, you are not leading it. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is it. So that's that's uh, why I'm, you know, kind of the religious about it. No, it's quality and it's needed. It's honestly, it's so needed. And I think, you, again, you make a great point there. I think, like, you know, the people that almost need to be targeted are the decision makers. And like you said, the leaders, because ultimately that's going to then filter down to everyone below, hopefully, if they're... Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's it's leading by example. Yeah. It's leading by example, right? Because if if you take it seriously, then, you know, others... Yeah, no, 100%. Well, look, there's been some fantastic pieces of information and some fantastic nuggets for people to take away. If there was kind of one sort of overall advising piece, and whether it be sort of going to an external person like yourself or something someone could do individually, what would your advice be to a player or a coach in terms of the mental fitness side of things? Uh, in general, really, you know, understand who he or she is, you know, you know, the, the self-awareness, right? The... I tell you what, 
Patrick Schick, one of his talents from the Gallup uh, talent test is deliberative, which means that he is able to hit the ball, whether by, you know, uh, head or by the feet, just in time, not too early, not too late, just in time. And once he realized, hey, this is it, who I am. This is the way, you know, this, those are the genes I've got from my, you know, uh, predecessors, right? Uh, then, obviously, uh, uh, he was able to uh, use it on kind of the, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, play. So self-awareness is key, yeah, right? Uh, that's, give me one sec. Uh, Okie doke. Uh, yeah, uh, so self-awareness is key. Understand who I am. Then, second piece is what do you want to achieve? Okay. Do you want to be like number one in the world? Patrick Schick wants to be number one in the world, you know, right? Obviously. Okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. Okay. And the third point is you need to decide how to use who you are to achieve what you want. Okay. Because if, if I would talk about Patrick, he's now working on his physicality a bit, you know, more, right? And uh, on his, you know, mental toughness, he worked a lot on the body language and stuff like that. That's clear. And he improved, you know, so much, right? And th this is it. Because he was a, he was a, when he started to work three years ago, he was a very good player. Now he plays fantastic. He was like the last game again, you know, he scored. The one goal was again, he was uh, in assistance and, and so on. So we, again, understand who you are. Understand what you want from your life, because if you have a if you have a sense of your life, if you have a purpose in your life, that's the best on on your journey. Because then you have an emotional connection to soccer. You have a huge emotional connection, and you don't care. Okay, maybe I screwed up one shot or whatever. That's fine, you know, right? Or maybe we we, we lost even in the Premier League, whatever. That's that's okay, you know. Provided that you love what you do, do you have a really strong emotional connection? And you return, you are like pissed off for some time, but you return back to your journey, you know, right? And and then that decision, because people people still like think, you know, hey, should I do it? No, and maybe I'm not good enough. No, you are not defined by your conditions. You are defined by your decisions. And if you decide, hey, I will use, because what can you use? I, if you will see my drawings, it's still like when I was six years old. So I'm terrible, you know, right? If we would talk about Jan's ability to create strategy, you know, create some vision, you know, communicate, I think I'm quite good, actually. <laughs> and, and that's what I thought in Microsoft, right? So this is it. This is what I'm, you know, using, right? Uh, this is it. And then those decisions are, you know, key to really understand who you are and use it to fulfill your purpose. And then there is another thing, okay? If you are so good, for example, in the soccer, if you are so good player, Messi, Ronaldo, and you are making other people happy through what you love, the soccer, then you are super happy, you know, right? And it's a very fulfilling, you know, right? It's not only, it's fine. There's a lot of good players getting a lot of money. That's fine. It, it's fine. It's good to get a lot of money, provided that you love, you know, what you do, basically, right? That's what Bill Gates was always telling me. I love Microsoft so much. The fact that I became the richest person in the world, that was like an external thing. That was a side effect of my emotional connection 
to, to Microsoft. Make sure that you follow and subscribe to the Daily Coaching Podcast so that you never miss out on an episode.